Hello? Hello? Got a new recorder. Hopefully it'll first show up on the website regularly, and then it won't sound tinny. It'll sound like we're in the uh, 21st century. So, Renee hears me preaching. She's <laughs> we're going to be in Luke. We're going to go from chapter 23 to 24. And then if you notice, we're almost done with Luke. So what could possibly be next? That's for you guys to wait and see. Actually, I'm, not, I'm thinking not a mystery. I am thinking um, that we are going to go to the book of Ephesians. It's just a great book. I'm not going to talk about Ephesians today, but um, that's what I'm thinking. So if you want to start reading ahead, if you want to do any study before we got into it, Ephesians should be next. Luke 23, verse 50. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen shroud, and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was a day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments on the Sabbath. They rested according to the commandment. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You ever play Simon? No, the beep, 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 beep. You guys don't know the game? You got to know the game or this will make no sense. It's like the circle thing with the four colored lights and you push the lights in sequence and, and I'm the greatest of this game in my house. Right, boys? <laughs> so, so the truth is Cameron will knock this thing out of the park, right? Cameron will, I got 37. I'm like, I got four. Beep, 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 beep. Well, it works like this. You listen, you watch, you remember, you trust, Right? Beep, listening and watching, remembering what I saw. I'm trusting I got it right. I touch. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep. Pastor, what are you doing? I don't know. I didn't prepare a sermon, so I just talked about Simon. Life is like a game of Simon, Forrest Gump says. If you stop and think about it, we listen to what God said. We remember what he said. We trust in what he said, and off we go. We walk by faith. And as I looked at this text, originally, well, the sermon will be titled Spiritual Simon. Originally, it was point, poke, praise. 
Because I realize these are some messed up dudes. I want to point my finger at these messed up believers. I want to poke them a little bit as I poke myself. And I want to praise Jesus for, for what he shows us through their weakness. And, and let's look into this and let's set the stage. Joseph of Arimathea. What do you know about sweet Joe? You guys remember reading about him earlier in the Gospels? This, guys, you got to be with me. Kathy, Charlie, bring up the coffee. Bring up the big jug. Joseph doesn't show up anywhere in the Gospels until we get here, and there's really not much we know about him. We know he's a respected member of the Jewish council. He's a good and righteous man, a secret disciple of Jesus because he was afraid of the Jews. I mean, do you see that robust, that robust faith? A secret disciple, for he was afraid of the Jews. John tells us that. He refused to go along with the council regarding their decision. But he took a bold stand here. So Jesus, well, I feel too far away from you today. I'm coming down. I don't have a music stand, so this will be fun. He saw his Lord laid on, laid on the, or, or hung on the cross, dead on the cross, and he wouldn't allow him the shame of staying up there like the Romans would want. So he went to Pilate, he's obviously a well-connected man, and he asked for the body of Christ. And Pilate, by God's providence, allowed him the body of Christ. He took him down, he laid him in his empty tomb. He took a relatively bold step, but notice he was not walking by robust faith up to this point of boldness when he was pushed so far. He was a secret disciple. But don't miss this, he was saved. It wasn't the robustness of his faith, it was the, the object of his faith. He was a saved man, not because of how well he performed, but because Christ hung on the cross in his place. I want you guys to understand that. Don't fight so hard to try to impress God with your faith, because you can't. Fight so hard to be impressed by the God of your faith, because that is what this is about. And then God works through weak, messed up, poor spiritual Simon players to reveal his glory, because he took a secret disciple of Jesus and had him go to one of the most powerful men in the land to make a bold claim asking for the body of his Savior. Powerful, wealthy, well-connected. He didn't want to mention this probably because there was too much at risk. Maybe he thought, I'll just hang in here a little longer, and when Jesus takes his throne in Jerusalem, well, then I can tell people I'm a follower of Jesus. I can relate to a guy like Joseph of Arimathea, keep your mouth shut and your head down so you don't get whacked. But then his Lord hung dead, and the Spirit worked mightily in his life, so he took a bold step of courageous faith and asked for the body of Christ, his Lord. Now, can I ask you a question? Nobody ever says no. Good. Did Jesus really die? Okay, but hang on a minute. Isn't Jesus God? Can God die? So did Jesus really die? Boom, Renee has been here a long time, and she's tight theologically. So important to understand. Jesus, truly God and truly man, did not die in his divinity, but in his humanity, his body lay hanging dead on a cross. And in his hands, Joseph of Arimathea held a dead body, bone and cold skin and sweat and blood and weight, dead weight in his arms. The incarnate Christ, he held in his arms. He wrapped in linen. He placed him in a tomb. Why do I even bring this point up? If Jesus didn't really die, 
you are hopeless. Because if there's no death, there's no resurrection. And if there's no resurrection, there's no hope. And if there's no hope, you're the most foolish of all people. Incarnation plus atonement plus death and resurrection equals salvation, if you want to put it into a math equation. Is she okay? I forgot to unlock that door over there. One of you big guys want to check? Oh, we're going with the biggest of the big guys. Poor Cameron's got to get up and check. <laughs> Understand Jesus really died and Joseph really held the dead body of our Lord. I mean, let that blow your mind for a minute. We've seen the incarnation. We, we've seen Jesus live the perfect life required of us. We talked about this Thursday night. You're not just saved because you're forgiven. You're saved because you're made righteous. You're made righteous because Jesus lived the perfect life you couldn't. He died the death you deserve, and he rose from the grave. But Joseph of Arimathea isn't the most impressive man you'll find. In fact, do you know, if you do character studies in the Bible and try to emulate people in the Bible, you're going to have a big problem over time. Dare to be a Daniel. No, don't you dare. Because you don't want to be like Daniel. You want to be like Christ. You, you can follow Daniel's example as he followed Christ, but don't dare to be a Daniel. Don't, don't be David. I mean, if you're going to be David, you've got to go have an affair, kill the person's husband or wife, whoever, you know, depending on which sex you are. You've you got to have a census, kill tens of thousands of Jews based on God's wrath and light of that, and make all sorts of crazy decisions. You want to go into a town drooling that crazy so they don't harm you. Don't, don't be like David. Be like David insofar as the Lord sanctified David to be like Christ. Same thing with Paul, right? Paul, Paul sets an example. He calls Timothy to set an example for the believers. But, but don't try to be like David, Paul, Joseph, or Joseph of Arimathea. Realize God is conforming us to the image of Christ. So we got Joseph. We're going to leave Joseph because I don't want to pick on him too much because he's not the worst of the worst. Let's talk about these women. The women, first of all, culturally, these are not the people you would pick to be the eyewitnesses of the resurrection, the first eyewitnesses of the empty tomb. They don't carry a lot of clout societally. But that's not what I'm talking about. Look at what they're doing here. They follow Joseph. I mean, they love their Lord. They're, they're standing and he's being crucified at a distance. They're, they're in shock. They're, they're following Joseph because they want to know where their Lord has been buried. They put him in a tomb. Let, let me go back a minute here. They, Joseph put him in an empty tomb. Amen. He put him in a tomb that, that he had built, basically for himself. Can I ask you a, a question? Why did he put him in there? <laughs> Why did he put him in the, the tomb he built for himself? We don't know all his motives, right? We know he had a love for Christ. He wanted to honor Christ. He was growing in hatred of sin. He couldn't stand to see his Lord dishonored. Do you think for a minute that he's going... Aha, I see my Lord on the cross, and it comes to my mind, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth, he was bare. Aha, I'm the rich man. Did he think he's going to fulfill Isaiah 53.9? No. He grieved sin. He honored his Lord. He went and took the body down. And look how through human responsibility and divine sovereignty, the Lord worked to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah 53 through the work he was doing in Joseph of Arimathea. I mean, we could sit there for a long time and, and go, how do you do that? You ever watch the Kaaba? 
What's the show, guys? Carbonaro. Carbonaro Effect. You ever watch that show? It's a secret hidden camera magic show. This guy does weird things like he'll, he'll open up a box and like a peacock will fly out or something. And, and you're like, how did that make it? Just watch it. It's, it's funny. What am I talking about? What I'm talking about is this. As you watch God work in human history, at times it's like, how did he do that? He's not going to give you the answer because you can't handle the answer. Just sit back and go, wow. How did he fulfill Isaiah 53 so perfectly through this messed up secret disciple of Jesus who was afraid of the Jews? Because he's sovereign. Just sit back and marvel. Wow. But the women, they're following him to the tomb that fulfilled Isaiah 53. And it says, they went back to prepare spices. Isn't that so sweet, so kind, so loving? They, they love their Lord so much. And so as we, we have Joseph, puts him in the tomb. The women had come with him from Galilee, followed and saw the tomb his body was laid. They returned and prepared spices and ointments. That's sweet. It's kind. It's loving. But can I ask a question? Why would you do that? Don't they know he's going to rise in three days? Didn't he tell them he would rise in three days? Good intentions, but misplaced intentions. Strong faith, right? Like mine. No. And then, on the first day of the week at early dawn, BMNT. You know what early dawn is? BMNT. I don't know if Cameron and, and, and Ricky know what BMNT is. I know it's only if you had a, a naval relative growing up. You know what BMNT is? It's too early to see, but the sun just cracked. My grandpa would use that phrase. Begin in the morning navigational twilight. This isn't the military translation, so it, it doesn't say, but on the first day of the week at BMNT, they went to the tomb, but that's what happened. It's early. You know that early when you can see, but you can't see so well? Why? Well, well check this out. They had the Sabbath. Give you a little side note. Maybe we'll pick it up downstairs. You want to have a fun conversation. They wouldn't prepare the body on the Sabbath. Why? Because they were keeping the Lord's Sabbath. Now, you ever been so busy you can't keep the Lord's day? I mean, you ever have work to do, and you're like, I, I got to get out of here. I got to go do some work. Could you imagine if the labor you had to do was be to prepare the Lord's body for burial, and you're like, I can't do that today. It's a Sabbath. Just chew on that for a minute. Now, I'm not saying that it's the same application to how to keep the Lord's day today, but I am saying there's a conversation to be had when we often feel we're too busy with things going on to spend a day focused on worshiping the Lord and, and being with his people. And the conversation, like I said, for downstairs, if you like. Remember, it's our free-flowing last couple weeks here of Sunday school before the new book. Well, they show up, and folks, don't miss this. It's Easter! We were there. We got strong faith. We'd be coming to the to the tomb at BMNT, we'd be going, he's risen! And then the people, he's risen indeed, yeah! He's risen! He's risen indeed, yeah! And then we'd have these ladies back there carrying all the stuff to prepare a dead body. First Easter, they're not showing up for a worship service, they're showing up to bury a body. What's wrong with them? Didn't Jesus say, I'm going to die and rise? What, what sort of robust faith is this? It's faith like we have. Hang in there a minute. And so they get to the tomb. Like, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. Could you imagine 
the grief, the sadness, the confusion. It's not a matter like, well, I'll show you what happens here, but just put yourself, we know the story. They don't know the story. You go, well, we know the story and they should know the story. Jesus said, I got news. He said a lot to us too that we got a really, really hard time trusting. Amen? So they're going. They're all out of sorts. They love their Lord. They're ready to prepare him for burial the right way. They've invested money and time into getting all these spices and ointments together. And they show up. They're perplexed. Two men stood by in dazzling apparel. You put the, the parallels together. You got an angel sighting. And the angel is like, oh, aren't you so clearly cute? Let me rub your chubby cheek. Now, angels are messenger warriors. They're not like, oh, come sit on my mantle with your little wings. You're so pretty. No, I mean, I'm thinking my, my visual is something like, you remember Ultimate Warrior? Any, any old wrestling people, right? You can Google the Ultimate Warrior. This guy was jacked up on more drugs for muscle growth than you could ever find. And he's just big and scary with like, Tied off above his bicep. I think Ricky knows the Ultimate Warrior. But bigger. And then you got an angel. Oh, ooh, right? Well, these angels, they, they have a gracious, gentle rebuke. Do you notice that? What, why do you seek the living among the dead? What are, what are you doing here? Come on, ladies. You see that right there? Verse 5. Verse 6, he's not here, but he's risen. What's the next word you have in your Bible? He's not here, he's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And what did the ladies do? It says right there, they remembered his words. The world plays spiritual Simon, but they're deaf and they're blind. And so they're flailing around, slapping the silly little Simon machine without knowing what they're doing. So from our perspective, beep, beep. You're like, what are you doing? Beep, beep, beep. You're like, touch the machine. Like, what's wrong with you? Beep, beep, boop, boop. And then we're all of a sudden like, it looks kind of like fun. And then we find ourselves, church over there, smacking our thighs and tapping our... The, the world can't play spiritual Simon because they're blind and they're deaf. But when you come to faith in Christ, you're spiritually sighted and you can hear the word of God. Look at what just happened here. These ladies who are spiritually sighted, these are saved women at this point, okay? Are, are they fully sanctified women? No. Was Joseph Arimathea fully sanctified? No. The only fully sanctified human being you'll ever see is Jesus, and there's an interesting conversation to be had there too. Not that he wasn't fully sanctified, but I'll just table that over there. Remember the question we had, how did Jesus grow in wisdom? He was fully sanctified the whole way through. Don't miss this. But look what happened. They remembered. They remembered what? His words. You ever try to evangelize someone with evidence? Christianity is true, and I know it's true because Jesus rose from the dead, and I know he rose from the dead because there's so much evidence that he rose from the dead. You'll never see a person saved by an evidentiary approach to evangelism. You won't. 
Do you know why? The evidence doesn't save anybody. And honestly, when, when you're talking about evidence, you're dealing with percentages of likelihood. So it's almost 99.9999999% sure by the evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. Listen, we have evidence. I'll point out what's good about it in a minute. But you're still leaving the loophole, but there's a chance. There, there's a chance that we... Who shot JFK? Right? You're always going to find the conspiracy things that, that start walking. Someone's going to watch the documentary on the National Geographic Channel. It was, it was the mob. There were, there were five people that did it. You know? You look at all the life. Look at evidence you get presented, and look how you can't land evidence. Here's what evidence does. Evidence strengthens the faith of the believer. Evident, evidence can, can increase doubt amongst the unbeliever. Well, I know Jesus didn't rise from the grave. How do you know that? Well, because you know it was a big hoax. Well, hang on. Let's, let's look historically at what happened. It's not a big hoax. You, you can use that to cast some doubt upon their disbelief. But ultimately, what saves people is the same as what sanctifies people. It's remembering the authoritative word of God. How do these women know that Jesus rose? They saw an empty tomb. The empty tomb didn't convince them, did it? They didn't walk up to the tomb and go, oh, it's empty, he's risen. There were other people who saw the empty tomb and they didn't believe, right? Remember, we had, we had the whole world go dark for three hours. How come the multitudes didn't believe? Because it's not what you see that will save you, it's what you hear. And these women remembered what Jesus had said. What did he say? Look at Luke 9.22. Now, for us, that was several months ago. For the disciples, you're talking more months ago. And all of a sudden, it struck me like it could have been the same exact amount of time. Man, I preach slow. Look at 9.22. <clears throat> Jesus speaking. The Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, be killed, and on the third day, be raised. I mean, the angels are saying, hello, Luke 9, 22. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit works in the lives of the women. And they go, oh, you ever had that moment? Like, oh, I can see this. 944. Let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. 1725, 1832 to 33, we could keep going, but the issue is the authority of the word of God and the power of God's spirit working through that authoritative word of God. We don't need more evidence. We need stronger faith to trust in the word of God. So we got Joseph of Arimathea. We got the women. Well, now we're going to the heavy hitters, the strong men of faith, the apostles. And so the women, they, they go back to where the apostles are. Verse 9, they told these things to the eleven and to all the rest, and it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women who were with them who told these things to the apostles. And the apostles, the strong men of faith, burst through the door, proclaiming in a loud voice, He is risen and preached the gospel through all of Galilee. Mm. No, I misread it. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they didn't believe them. Like, come on. Come on, where are these people of robust faith? Seemed like an idle tale, and they didn't believe them. He had told them specifically, guys, 
I'm going to be delivered over. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be dead. I'm going to rise in three days, hang in there, and they call it an idle tale. Because the 11 weren't saved, right? No, no, no. The 11 were being sanctified. God has written all of the things in his word that we might be equipped. Well, to be equipped to what? To see the weakness of our faith, the strength of our Savior, and the necessity to remember and walk by faith. But my man Pete rose, ran, stooped, looked, saw, and marveled. That's what it says. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes, cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Why would he be a little different than them? Because little by little, he saw how weak he truly was. You know, it, it's, it's hard to understand. We talked briefly about this last Sunday downstairs. What a, what a mature believer looks like. Well, if you were in Jerry's shoes, a mature believer looks like this. I walk into the hospital as a conqueror. I fear no death or illness. Forget the anesthesia and cut me open in the name of the Lord. Right? That's a brave heart approach to stupidity. That's not Christianity. What, what does it look like with uh, other circumstances of life? I feel inner terror, but I will rebuke the terror and feel no anxiety. I cast my cares not on the Lord, but under my foot and stomp them to death. I am a Christian. Like, this is our mind of what a Christian looks like. But read the Bible and look at what real Christians look like. Help! That's what the Christian looks like. It's not raw. It's but here, here's the wrestle. Don't let anybody know you're a scared little child of God. Make everybody think you are bold and confident and courageous in Christ. Like Joseph of Arimathea, the secret follower for fear of the Jews. Like the women who went to Easter service to bury a body. Like the robust apostles who called it all an idle tale and didn't believe. Like King David, the adulterer and murderer and liar. Oh, oh. Like, like John, who are you going to pick? You think, well, Paul, mm, careful. How about Timothy? Read First and Second Timothy again and see how well he be doing in the flesh. Why was Paul encouraging him in all these areas? Because deep down, Timothy was, help! And Paul's saying, I can help you. Let me point you to Christ. Well, now that I've picked on him, how'd the 11 turn out? They called it an idle tale and they didn't believe. And then the Lord turned the world upside down through these 11 guys. How about Peter? Lord, I will go with you to death. And then he's like curled up in a corner because a little gate opening servant girl came and, and said, are you on? No, 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 no. Joseph of Arimathea, I don't know what happened with him, but I'm interested to hear the story. My friends, look at what's going on here. 23 plus chapters into Luke. We're almost done. Our goal, this is what it looks like to be a joy-filled follower of Christ. Remember the words of Jesus. That's where it starts. Remember what 
God says. If you put this away or you distort what it says, you will have spiritual malformation. None of us are equipped on our own to rightly divide God's word. It's not you and the Holy Spirit. You and the Holy Spirit will make a mess. Not because the Holy Spirit is making the mess, but because the Holy Spirit never intended for private Bible study on your own. Because, you, 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 well, we got issues. We can dig into that another time. We all got issues. Remember the words of God. Believe the words of God. Trust and obey. Don't lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. What does it look like? Discipleship. Live life alongside others so they can point you to Christ. Evangelism. Live, live your life alongside lost people so you can point them to Christ. But here's the thing. What is God calling you to in light of who God has made you? What has he saved you for? How is he glorified? You know, it's when, when Simon first came to our house, if I remember correctly, Charlie was like really little and still drooled incessantly. So you guys never knew my kids when they, they just drooled and wore bibs and it was disgusting. We had to change clothes like midday. Now they just sweat the drool out or something and they can change their own clothes. But Charlie couldn't really play Simon because he would first drool and kill the thing, right? But, but it was a, <laughs> like he was a baby. His brothers would play, smack a hand. But you know what we would do? We would sit with Charlie, and we'd take his little cute little hand, which isn't so cute anymore, and the blue light would beep, and you'd take his blue hair, beep, <laughs> beep, boop, beep, boop, <laughs> beep, boop, beep, beep, boop. <laughs> he thought he's rocking out on the Simon, right? Look at me. We're sitting there. We're like, you're not even doing it, man. Like, you know, Cameron was a nasty older brother. Charlie, you're even doing anything there, man. I got 37. I beat dad again, and you get zero. But that's walking by faith. It's not your robust ability. It's the robust God who enables you to remember and trust. You start with taking the person's hand or placing the person's foot or more, uh, more practically speaking the truth of God into the person's life and encouraging them you can do this. God promises something here. He will help and enable and provide. And we take that timid, fleeting step of faith. And as we do, one by one, we stop living inward focused and outward focused. And we realize God has saved me not only to enable me to play spiritual Simon for his glory, but to work through me so that I can help other people play spiritual Simon too. You see, the disciples, the apostles don't get to come out with these robust credentials. Remember us back when Jesus rose, how strong we were in our faith. Be like us and trust in Jesus. Mm -mm. What they would say is, remember us on that first Easter, hiding in that room. Oh my goodness, we told those ladies it was an idle tale and they were out of their minds. We said, you're being all emotional and irrational. Oh my gosh, what was wrong with us? Thanks be to God for the grace he shows to us. Thanks be to God for the work of his spirit within us. Praise God that we were able to hear and remember. Christ is risen. And so as Joseph of Arimathea and the women and the apostles, including Peter, would gather for worship, I wonder what the second Easter looked like. A little bit different than the first, but not like the third. I wonder, as they gather today in the presence of the Lord himself, 
what that worship looks like. I suspect that they think even less of themselves than they did during this first Easter. But I know they think far more of Christ than they ever had before. My friends, what are, what are we saved to? We are saved not to impress people with our robust faith, but to impress people with our magnificent Savior. We do this as we go through life realizing we're playing Crazy Simon. Believe, lost people can only play Crazy Simon. Believers play a mixture of Crazy Simon and Spiritual Simon. And we're fighting with one another to entice us more and more to play the game as the Lord has called us to, to live life according to his word, in his power, and for his glory. Our goal isn't try to problem solve ourselves. Our goal isn't even to try to problem solve others. You ever do any uh, car mechanic discipleship? You guys know what car mechanic discipleship is? Hang around and ask me downstairs. It's what most of us by default do in discipleship. Don't do car mechanic discipleship. We need people to point us to Christ. We we need to get to the deep heart matter of why we're doing what we're doing, why we're struggling with what we're struggling with, why we're rejoicing in what we're rejoicing of, and we do it as we remember and trust. There are so many ways you can go through a text like this. You ever been to an art museum? I go through the art museum like this. Okay, see that one? Boom, got that one. That's the Mona Lisa, check it off to Bach. Like, you see it and you're done. If you want to look again, take a picture or buy the postcard at the gift shop. And then you got some people, they'll walk in and they're, they're sitting there like this. They do this thing. You've seen these folks, right? I'm like, it's not a TV, it's not changing. Like, blink it in your head and move on. There's an issue with me at the art museum. I don't know what I'm doing there. Now, in fairness, Laura and I took an art class, and you asked her about this. I received an A. I drew a beautiful charcoal sketch of, I don't even know what it was. I think maybe like grass up close. I don't know. Our teacher comes by. He's like, wow, look at the flow of this, 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 this drawing, look, look at, I love how you bring the eye to the upper corner by the, by the shading, and this is magnificent. <laughs> like, dude, I'm just sketching, spitting, and rubbing charcoal. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, I made Laura so mad, because I got an A in the class. She, she claims the professor liked me. Like, oh, please. He was a married man with four kids. He liked my artwork. <laughs> but yet, when it comes to scripture, can't we do the same thing? Oh, look, Jesus uh, hung on the cross, Joseph got him, the women went to bury him, the apostles didn't believe him, but Peter went, he rose, he ran, he stooped, he looked, and he marveled. Oh, that's great, let's move on. Verse 13, the very day to, you ever go through scripture that way? How much more magnificent to slow down and look about for a minute? Now, there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. What's Arimathea? Why, what, what, why, why is that in the world? What's going on there? We could go there, but we're not going there. He was a member of the council. Hold on a minute. This is a, a guy who was part of the Jewish authorities who ran the land, who ruled the land, who made all the decisions for the people. And, and, and God had saved someone 
out of that nasty group of God-haters? How, how? He was a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action. He was looking for the kingdom of God. Well, now, wait a minute. He didn't, uh, that, that, that's a big deal if you don't consent to the decision of the masses. But, but what? Well, keep going. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Now, how did he get access to Pilate? What, what sort of connections did this guy have to get access to Pilate? Well, wait, wait a minute. God, God, God can access any place he wants in his creation. Well, he took down the body and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. Interesting note. You see, first the Romans always left the bodies on the cross as a warning sign. They certainly didn't bury the bodies in empty tombs. They got thrown into big holes in the ground or full tombs. Wouldn't that be a thing if Jesus was in a full tomb and then try to claim he rose? How are you going to identify the beaten body? But by his providence, God graciously placed him in an empty tomb. There was a known tomb. There was a seen tomb. There was even a guarded tomb with the only body in it not there. Isn't God gracious to make it so abundantly clear that he ain't in there? Not a case of mistaken identity. Well, the women who came with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. A whole damn, he, he needs to be dealt with. But they're hanging on the Sabbath commandment. Keep moving. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. Basically, at the earliest possible conceivable moment, they bolted out the door. Sabbath is over. Let's go. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. How did that stone get rolled away from the tomb? Luke doesn't talk about an earthquake in the land, but what, what? that's a big stone. Why did the stone get rolled back? Was it to let Jesus out? Or was it to let people look in? Again, we could look at the artwork quickly or we can meditate upon it slowly. But when they went in, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they're perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, if you would bow your face to the ground in the presence of an angel, how much more should we be awed by the reality of the presence of God himself? Why do you seek the living among the dead? The angels, this ain't no thing. They're not walking by faith. They just know. What's... What? What's wrong with you people? He said it. Like, how hard is it to believe it if he said it? Can you imagine, like, the conversation among the angels? What? What is wrong with these people? Why does God love these people? Why is he so patient with these people? He said it. Of course it's true. No, no, no. We don't understand. We don't understand. What is the deal with this gospel thing? This is crazy. God is so gracious and kind and loving and merciful. Why would he do that to these people? They hang into an angel conversation, an angel Bible study. 
They said to him, why do you seek the living amongst the dead? He's not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee. I think the the word remember should be in bigger font with a yellow highlight because it's a focal point of the text. It's the center of this, this picture that we're looking at. Remember, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified and on the third day rise. And now the work of the Spirit, the miracle that takes place right before your eyes that you don't even notice, and they remembered his words. That's a miracle. You understand that, right? That's like the parting of the sea. How do you explain that? Well, will, will God work through Moses and parted the water? It's a miracle. Something only God can do. This is a miracle. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb... They told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene. You remember who Mary Magdalene is? Look at the picture in scripture for a minute here. Oh yeah, she grew up in the church. Sweet little girl. Oh, oh, careful now. Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. To the apostles, it seemed like an idle tale. Yes, to the apostles. Why? Because they're fallen men in need of a Savior who will sanctify them for his glory. They didn't believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. And I wonder, and yes, I will close here. I wonder if God miraculously worked in Peter's life so that as he's walking home, he ran there. So he's got to be winded, right? He's walking home. I wonder if if the Holy Spirit is working in his mind. Wait. Wait, he he said he wouldn't be that. Could he? He could. He wrote. No, he couldn't have risen. That's crazy. That's a, that, he was dead. I saw him dead. No, 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 no. He said he said he would die and rise. No, no, it's impossible, Peter. Self-talk going on. Him. No, no, no. I, it's got that back and forth, right? Faith while the, the spiritual Simon, boop, 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 and the crazy Simon. Right? He's doing both at the same time. He's being sanctified. And little by little, more and more, each of these people came to realize more fully This is what God said. The word of the Lord always proves true. We are saved to live in light of God's word as we fight to believe his word with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're covenantally saved to a fellowship of believers. The the church, universal. The church, visible. To live alongside one another, to help us remember, to trust, and proclaim. Our goal is to rest in the authoritative word of God and rejoice that he is who he says he is, that we are who he says we are in Christ, and he will do all that he says he will do. How can I be so sure of that? Well, because he said so. But secondarily, how can I be strengthened in that truth? Because he is risen. I said he is risen Holy, risen Savior of Jesus, help us. Help us to rejoice in you. Help us to rest in you. 
Help us to trust you. Help us to see ourselves as you see us. Lord, we are a busy people. We are so busy doing things and going to things and thinking about things and fixing things and acquiring things. And Lord, help us slow down. For it's not wrong to be busy in a sense, but there are ways in which we are too busy and there are ways in which our busyness is really just a form of idolatry. Allow us to not be busy in the Martha way of trying to impress a guest, but rather be busy in the God-honoring way of trying to impress people with you, Lord Jesus, as we rest in you and trust in you as we walk with you. Lord Jesus, thank you for Joseph and the women and the apostles. Thank you for the ways that you have worked in their lives as you reveal in Scripture. Thank you for the encouragement it is to your people today that we are not saved because of our robust, strong, confident abilities. In fact, we are saved because of the exact opposite. We are weak, we are incapable. We are hopeless, we are helpless on our own. But while we were still sinners, Christ, you died for us. And when you save us, you don't make us immensely spiritually strong. You allow us, rather, to see our total dependence upon you and give us the ability to rest in you, to abide in you, to walk with you, to rejoice in you. As we remember your words and trust in their truth, knowing that you are with us and will never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, help us in our weakness. Help us to flee our sin in our lives. Help us to identify suffering in our lives and strengthen us and sanctify us through that suffering. Through it all, help us to see you more clearly. Help us to rejoice in the fact that you are not dead but alive. You are not only risen, you are ascended. You are interceding for us at all times. You are with us by your spirit. You care for us in all ways. You love us immeasurably, impossibly from our perspective, and certainly by grace through faith. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love for us. And Holy Spirit, work mightily in us for your glory, helping us to love you and love one another as you have saved us too. In your holy and precious name, dear Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. To close us out.